0: Well, greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful to be here today? Amen. 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 We had some beautiful, uh, we had nice rain yesterday, and we have beautiful sunshine that's out there right now, so the pollen is down, so you're able to get out and enjoy the sunshine today, right? That's all, it's a great day for all you allergy sufferers out there. It is good. I'm not an allergy sufferer. I take Claritin every single day, so I have no issues with it. So that's kind of the way you get around this, uh, you know, but it is, it's a great day. It is beautiful out there and it is great to have y'all with us this morning. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, so much for this day. God, it is a beautiful day that you have given to us and God, we enter into your house and we enter into your presence as we sit at one table, worshiping the one and true Lord with all of the people across this uh, you know, wonderful state of South Carolina, the community of Rock Hill, and the United States, as we come together to worship You as the One and True Lord, and God, I pray, Lord, that through our words and through our songs that You would receive them as a sweet incense unto You, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen, amen. I'd like to read a passage of Scripture for you this morning from Colossians chapter three. Verse 16, it says, Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with faithful hearts. And we sing and we do that today with faithful hearts. Because we know who he is, and we know that he is worthy of all of our praise and him alone. And that is why we stand to our feet and we sing from the bottom of our heart to do the top of our lungs as we worship and praise Him. And y'all didn't get that. I actually introduced this for y'all to stand to (laughs) your feet as we worship and praise God from the bottom of our hearts with the top of our lungs as we sing praises unto Him today. Amen. He alone is worthy of our praise.
1: Amen. All right, we haven't done this in a while, so... If we're terrible, just tell us after the service, okay? But good morning. It's good to see all your pretty faces. Let's worship and give praise this morning. This is the day. and
2: This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and celebrate. This is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice. I will rejoice and celebrate. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and celebrate. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and celebrate. Let's go. He goes. He goes before me. He walks beside me. He lives within me. He's a lover of my soul. He's my defender. He's my provider. His overflowing mercy are brand new every day. Let's sing it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and celebrate. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and celebrate. Me. He, does for me. He walks me, he walks inside me, He lives within me, He's lover of my soul, He's my defender, He's my, defender. He's, my He's my provider, His overflow immerse, He's a brand new every day. is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and celebrate this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice I will rejoice and celebrate I will rejoice I will rejoice I will rejoice I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and
1: celebrate. Amen. So if you didn't quite figure it out from that song, that this is the day. And that we will rejoice this morning. Amen? Awesome. So let's continue to give worship and praise to how great our God is this morning. So let's lift him up with our voices.
2: of the King. The splinter of the King They go. You're the name above all names You are worthy of all praise My heart will sing how great is our God Lift them up, for the name You're the name above all names how worthy of all grace. In my heart will sing. How great is our God? How great? How great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? And will see how great, how great is our God. Sing it again. We're gonna go loud. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all we'll will see how great. God, you're ready to sink my soul. Then sings
1: my soul,
2: my Savior God, to be how great. To be when Christ shall come it shall
1: just sums up how great God is and what he does for us. I love it. Got to get myself right first. It's been a minute. So let's continue to give worship to him this morning, and let's bring him in to this service this morning, bring him into our hearts through these pews that we can just totally accept the presence of God this morning talk about how we need him and how we come to him.
2: My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you.
0: God, how much we do truly need you. We call upon you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for being with us. We thank You for Your Spirit being here in our midst and moving in and out of our hearts. And God, I pray right now, dear Lord, that it would soften the soil of our hearts to receive the words that You have for us. But God, I pray that whenever we receive the words, that we will allow them to transform our hearts and lives. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank You for Your mighty presence. And God, I pray that you'll continue to guide and direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As y'all are being seated, I need to set the stage for you. I have someone that's going to, some people that are going to come and help me with the uh, service today. So if you could kind of bear with us for a little bit. Um, Can y'all move y'all seats up? I want to walk behind y'all, not be in front of y'all. Okay, so everybody can see. So, this morning's message is coming to you from a book that, that I read a long, long time ago. It, it feels like much longer than what it actually was. The book that I am gonna, that I read is called Concentric Circles of Concern and i am going to help you through this process as far as the central circles of concern because jesus had these within his life but we also have them and chris can chris move further away no okay all right you're just going to have to imagine that chris is further away so whenever i read this book central Con- or uh, you know um uh, concentric, concentric circles of concern. I got it. Concentric circles of concern. The book tells us that there's seven. So I tried to reduce this and to make it a little bit easier. Okay. So in our lives, there's three concentric circles that we should be concerned with. And there's steps in this. And I am going to try to help you to correlate the Centric circles of concern for your life as well as the centric concerns that Jesus had in his life so that you could see and understand where we need to be in all of this process. So whenever we think about this and the first concentric circle of concern would be Wanda. Now I don't want you to think that Wanda's in the first chair because she's good and Courtney's in the second chair because she's bad and Chris is in the third chair because he's worse. This has nothing to do with who's in the chair but the fact as, as far as the chairs and what they represent. So Wanda here in chair number one in centric and circle number one for me okay, would be that this is my family. Okay, so the people that's in concentric circle number one would be your family. So that would be your spouse, that would be your children, that would be your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters. All of your close family will be in concentric circle number one. And then in concentric circle number two would be your friends. Now these friends would be friends that you would most probably text at least Two to three times a week, if not once, uh, you know, once a day, that you would be in contact with the people that's in concentric circle number two. These can be co-workers. These can also be aunts and uncles. So these are people that if you had a problem, let's say that I had a situation that I was going through in my life, and I would go to my family, and I would ask them for advice on how to handle this. Look, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a boat, Wanda. Now, the boat, whenever I'm looking at the boat, it's going to have wood on the inside of it. What do you think the best wood would be for me to have in that boat? Would you, do you think it's teak wood, or is it cedar, or what, what do you think? And I would get advice from her, and then I would come over to this person over here, and I'm like, you know, you're going to be riding in the boat with me. We're really good friends, so what would do you think would be best to be in the boat? What would do you think would look best? And then she would give me hers concern, and then maybe, possibly, if I didn't like those two, then I would go to the third one over here. Now, the third one over here would be the people that I would meet in the grocery store, would be some of my co-workers that are out there that's kind of on the friends that you see at work, but you really don't have that much contact with them. These could be the neighbor instead of the neighbor ne- you know, next door. They might be the neighbor that's about five or six buildings away from you or houses away from you or something like that. So they would still be part of your concentric circles, but not really close. So I might go and say, you know, this guy here looks like he knows what he's talking about. I, you know, After all, I'm going to buy the boat from him. What wood do you prefer or do you think should be in the boat? And then I would take all three of those and I would make an educated decision as far as which way I would go. You know, myself, I would happen to, you know, I, I believe I would pick the right one, okay, and I would go with cedar. Now, you might be somebody else and might go with teak or something like that, but that's okay. But those are your centric circles of concern. So what this is is that whenever we look at the passage of scripture that we talked about last week, whenever Jesus was telling his disciples that these normal things that you used to do, I have called you into something greater, and you are supposed to be fishers of men, and because you're fishers of men, these are your circles that you need to be concerned with. So circle number one should be your most important circle. These are the people that you should make sure that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's your son, your daughter, your grandchildren, uh, you know, your mother, your father, those are the important people that's in your life and you need to make sure that they know Christ. Jesus told his disciples that you need to go to Jerusalem. And then from Jerusalem he said go where? To Samaria. So then you go to Samaria. Samaria would be your close friends, but not your immediate friends. But they're still important to you. So you need to witness and to speak to these people about who Jesus Christ is. All of us do. We are all commissioned. It's not just the disciples that were commissioned. Every single believer in Jesus Christ are commissioned to spread the gospel and to be his hands and feet, his hand and feet in this world. So number one would be your family. number two would be your immediate friends and then number three would be these people that you meet, the grocery store attendant, the people that you your, your waitress. How many of you pray for your waitress whenever whenever you're at the restaurant? You pray for your waitress? Okay, it might be a good thing for you to do. Get your waitress's name and pray for her or him uh, as you're praying for the meal that God would bless them. You have the opportunity to witness to that person at that particular point in time. We need to take that opportunity. They are in the third one that's out there, but they're the easiest to witness to. Why are they the easiest to witness to? Because this group right here sees you just about every single day. This group right here knows your faults. This group right here knows your past. They know the things that you have done wrong. It is the hardest thing to witness to your spouse because you have to be the same person on Sunday as you are all through the rest of the week. If you're going to be a true witness to that person, you must live it as well as speak it. So this is the most important group for us to speak to, but it's the hardest group for us to speak to because they know who we are. They know our past. This group right here, they're important to us, but the problem with this group is that they know a little bit about us, but they don't know all about us. They think they know all about us, but they really don't. This group knows your secrets. This group thinks they know your secrets right? This group right here, they have no clue. So whenever you look at your waitress and you ask, is there anything that I can pray for you about? They're like, oh my goodness, man. <laughs> they know God. Let me, man, I, I need that. Or you're in the line at Walmart. How many of you have ever witnessed to anybody standing in the line at Walmart? Oh, good, man. At least somebody else raised their hand. I think the first time that I got into Rock Hill, I'm standing there in Walmart, and Peggy and I are buying all these things here. And, you know, it was about time for the students to come into Winthrop, so they were buying all these things to decorate their dorm room. And Peggy and I were buying things to decorate our apartment. And they're like, man, you look kind of old to be going to school. (laughs) I had the opportunity to witness to a man as we stood there. Because you know in the line at Walmart it takes forever to get through, right? Even the express line. I'm sorry, I shouldn't talk bad about Walmart. Walmart's a really good store. But it gives you the opportunity to witness. These are the easiest to actually receive, but they're the hardest for us to actually witness to because we're afraid of them. We're afraid that this group here is going to reject who we are, right? We're afraid that, well, we don't want to offend them. But if we're truly doing what God has for us to do, remember, He says that we're supposed to go to Jerusalem, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. All right, so you've got the three groups. Jesus had these three groups. Jesus had His 12 disciples that He spoke to every single day. If it was during the technology age, Jesus would have either been texting them, Facebooking them, or he would have been Zooming or having a face-to-face conversation with these people every single day about who Jesus Christ was. Right? Every single day. And the 7th and 8th chapter of the Gospel of John is the only moment in time that we find that Jesus and his disciples were separated. From the moment in time that he called them to become disciples, he was always with them, teaching them, except for those two chapters. So the rest of the, the, rest of the three and a half years, Jesus spent teaching those people. Now, we also know through Scripture that Jesus had some of those disciples that would have been in group number two, that would have been really good friends, and they thought they knew everything about Jesus, but they really didn't because they were still searching for him to prove who he was. You can look in John chapter 6, verse 66, and it says that there were some of those that rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah because what he was talking about was too difficult, so they left. These were the same people at the beginning of chapter 6 that he had just fed the 5,000. There were at some point in time in an upwards of 500 people that Jesus would have called or would have been considered a disciple of Jesus Christ. But they weren't the 12 that spoke out loud who Jesus Christ was. Look at Nathanael. Nathanael was one of the first ones that was called to be the disciple or a disciple Nathaniel is only mentioned two or three other times, other than the time that he was called to be a disciple, to be amongst the disciples. This group right here has the ability to move in between this group and this group. Because, right, sometimes aren't your best friends closer to you than your family? So they can move in between this group here. Here can go over to here. And then here can come over to here. And then you have this group over here. This group over here, unfortunately, is the group that talks the loudest. This group here is the group that is... Walking around, listening to Jesus, and they're waiting for Jesus to prove who he is. But they're waiting for him to prove that he is not the Messiah. Right? This is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. They're sitting over here, they're watching the miracles. They're seeing all of the things that Jesus has done. But every single time we see them in a conversation with Jesus, they're trying to trick him or they're trying to get him to say something so that they can kill him because they don't want him to be the Messiah. Now, unfortunately, in our lives, we have people the same That's here. Same way that's in Jesus' life. You have people that's close to you. You have your family. You've got your immediate friends. That they want you to succeed. They want you to receive Jesus Christ and to follow Him as as the Messiah. And they want you to trust Him. And they always, not always, but often. They say good things. See, the disciples told Jesus that he was the Messiah. That he was the Son of God. But they said it less than the Sadducees, Pharisees, and the religious leaders, and the people on this third group said that he was not. They said it louder than what they did. The people that's in your first group, they should be the ones that's shouting the loudest, telling you how great you are, telling you how awesome of a job you've done, telling them how much they appreciate you and they thank you for all of the things that you have done, but they're not. I think about this, and this might be funny for you, but... I've been on a diet. Don't laugh. I've been on a diet. And and I've lost weight. Do you know what? The people in this group would recognize it before the people in this group will recognize it. The people in this group will tell you that you look good before the people in this group tells you that you look good. The people that's the closest to you They should be praising you more than anybody else. But what happens is, is that the people that's over here that want you to fail, they're speaking the loudest. Because all they hear from over here is, is, you're no good. You don't look good. I can't believe you wore those clothes. I can't believe you wore brown shoes with that blue shirt. We, We get all of that and we hear all of this. Jesus heard this from these people from these people here. Really you think you're the Messiah? Then show us a sign. Right? Show me a sign that you are who you say you are. We have people that's doing this to us all of our lives. The people right here in concentric circle number 1 should be our biggest cheerleader. But we hear more from over here than we do from over here. Because Satan is over here trying to do what? Trying to destroy our lives. So I've moved over from this group over here. I've got a struggle in my life. Not really sure that Jesus can actually take care of it. So I'm going to move over here. And I'm going to try to do some things. And I'm going to try to work through this. I'm going to try to work through this. Now the problem with it is is that whenever you get here, you're closer to here. So here has more of an influence whenever you're here because you're closer. So I'm here and I'm struggling. And my friend Chris over here says, hey, why don't we go partying in that new boat that you bought? And you're like, hey, man, that'll be pretty cool. Let's go do that. And my good friend that's over here brings some beer and a lot of alcohol with him. And then I begin to do what? I begin to party with the group over here. Why? Why? Because the group over here wasn't singing loud enough so that I could get help. So I drifted over to this one here. And now I'm struggling with an issue and it looks really pretty over here. Everything that's shiny and sweet doesn't mean it's good for you. But that's what Satan's doing over here. And he's got this flash card over here that's just bright and shiny. I was talking to somebody earlier today about candied bacon. Man, that is one of the best things. Have you ever had candied bacon? It's fried bacon with nothing but sugar laid over the top of it, put in the oven, and nice, hard and crispy. Oh, man, sugar and sweet. Woo, man, put a little bit of spices on it. Man! It draws you to it. Satan is doing every single thing he can to destroy your life. The Pharisees and Sadducees did every single thing they could to destroy Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And turn us away from Him. Every single thing. So this morning... What circle is Jesus in for you? Is He in circle number one? Or in circle number two? Or is He in circle number three? Wait a minute, not not He, but you. Are you in circle number one? Or are you searching for the Messiah? We're all searching for the one that is going to save us from this lost and dying world, right? We are all looking for the one that will provide for me in my struggles. In my moments and times of heartaches, I am searching for the one that is going to be that answer. We're all searching. Have you came to the point that he's number one? and He is at the center of your life, and you trust that everything that He says is going to be? Now remember, His disciples, they professed that He was the Messiah, but then Peter denied Him three times. Because he truly didn't understand everything that Jesus Christ had, and who He truly was. There's moments and times in our lives that we can be right here with Jesus Christ in circle number one. Trusting Him with everything that we have. And then a problem come along and we find ourselves in chair number two, trying our best to work things out for ourselves. Because He didn't provide for me. Right? Right? The job that he gave me didn't turn out to be the exact thing that I wanted. The house that I have or the car that I'm driving, it broke down and I don't have the money to fix it. My friend over here is calling me to go out to a party. And I really want to do this. There's something in me that's drawing me to this. Are we going to go there? Or are we going to stay over here? See, we each have a choice every single day, we have that choice. The gospel of John is this unique gospel that he starts off with the story of who the Messiah is by saying that he was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became life, and then light into the world. You remember that? He didn't start off with the lineage of David. He didn't start off with Jesus being a baby. He started off and said, this is the Messiah, and he is always been the Messiah. Are you going to trust Him today? John took seven times throughout the Scripture to tell us this is the Messiah. Are you going to trust in Him? some people that he actually said it up to 18 different times in the Gospel of John, that there is a statement that is the I am statement. Now, I want to help you with this because the Greek word would be ego, and it would be ego e me. So whenever you see I, I am in Scripture, it would be ego, ego e me, which is I, I am. Now, whenever Jesus says I, I am, What he does is, is he says, I, I am. Go back to Genesis, whenever Moses is at the burning bush. And he says, who do I tell them you are? Ego, the me, I am. Every single time Jesus uses that phrase, I, I am, he is saying, I am God Almighty. You see it? And he gives you the opportunity at that point in time to receive him as the Messiah. So let's look at these. In John chapter 6, verse 35, it says, I am the bread of life. Whoever partakes of me, whoever eats of of me, will never die or become hungry. The I, I am. John chapter 8, verse 12. It says that Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I, I am the light of the world. If you follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I, I am the light of the world. And then in chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. I I am will sacrifice my life so that you can have a relationship with God Almighty. Do you choose me as your Messiah today? And then in chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see the statement? I, I am. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to provide everything for you? Will you wholeheartedly trust me for everything? Or are you going to be like centric circle number two? That sometimes, sometimes I trust. But there's still things that I'm looking for. There's still something that needs to happen for you to prove to me that you're really the Messiah. Or are you going to be over here? And three, still looking, still listening, but you're looking and you're listening for Him not to be the Messiah. It's easier to receive Him as not the Messiah than to receive Him as the Messiah. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus told them, I, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me even after, will live even after dying. See, I'm the resurrection. I, I am. He says, I will do this. I will provide for you. I will protect you. In John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am, or I, I am, the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He says, That he's the Messiah. He professes. That he's the Messiah. Do we trust him. In being that today. Do we truly trust. That Jesus Christ is. Who he said he is. I. I am. The eighth one for you here in John chapter 8 verse 58 Jesus answered I tell you the truth before Abraham was was even born I I am I I am before Abraham was born Jesus says that I was here before I have always been here, and I will always be here. I was the Messiah before time began. I am the Messiah today, and I will always be the Messiah. Will you trust me today? I, I am the resurrection, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except for through me. And believing in who He is. Believing that He will do what He says He will do. Believing that whenever He says He will provide for you, He will provide every single thing for you. It's not just a provision of tangible things. He says, I'll provide for you. Whenever you're hungry, trust in me and I'll provide for you. Whenever you're thirsty, trust in me and I'll provide for you. Trust me. I'll protect you. I'll protect you from the group that's over here number three. Satan. That's shouting at the top of his lungs. To distract you from the true Messiah. To destroy your life. He says, I'll protect you from him. He says, I'll protect you from this world. All you have to do is trust in me. In Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33. Now Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 and 33 comes from whenever Jesus has sent his disciples out. And he gives them instructions on what to do in spreading and preaching and teaching the gospel And this is what he tells them. He says, everyone who acknowledges me in public here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. I don't know what chair you're in. I know what chair you need to be in. I don't know what struggle you're facing. I don't know what you're looking for. But Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And will always be the Messiah. And he will always provide for you and protect you. All you have to do is choose him today. Choose him today let us stand every head bowed every eye closed Andrew Chris has it see the altar is open this morning What chair are you? Do you find yourself yourself more in chair number two than you do in one? I hope that there's nobody here that's in chair number three. But if you're in chair number three and you're waiting for Jesus Christ to fail, He will never fail. If you're in chair number two, and there's things that you know about Jesus, but there's some things that you don't know, and there's some things that you don't trust. See, he said that he's the light of the world, he's the bread of life, he's the gate, he's the resurrection. He's the truth, the life, and the way. He's the true vine. He is I am. He is God Almighty. Incarnate on this earth to save us from our sins. Trust in Him today the altar's open. If you're in chair two and you need to be in chair one, He's right here for you. He's waiting for you with arms open wide. If you've been in chair number three, (laughs) with His resurrection, He's proven who he is trust in him today and he will provide for you trust in him today is the day for salvation. profess Him to be your Lord and Savior here on this earth today He will profess you before His Father in Heaven if you deny Him today He will deny you before His Father in Heaven Father I thank you dear Lord for this day God I thank you for the words that you have given to us And God I pray dear Lord that we will allow these words dear Lord to that we will keep them in our hearts and that we will meditate upon them and God that we would allow these words to transform our lives God I pray for those that's in chair number two God that one day before too late that they'll move to chair number one, and God, those that's in chair number three, God, that I prayed, Your Lord, that they would return or that they would begin that journey, God, to chair number one today, as You guide and direct their lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Just want to be, want y'all to be mindful. Um, There's two flyers or there's two, yeah, there's two flyers.